You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Welcome in, everybody. Good morning here on the Morning Drive here on a Wednesday. Nick Brown again in you here say, with me this morning. Good morning, North Indiana. What up? I vowed, yeah, how goes it? I, I vowed a long time ago when I started subbing on this show for Aaron that I would not even attempt to try to do what he does greeting people every morning. <clears throat> it's, just like, it's just like um, with uh, Terry on the edge. Uh, I, I don't try to do uh, his either since he's um, a charismatic and controversial as jamie and i always say uh, there's no way that we can reach the controversial or charismatic level of one mr terry waldrop so we don't even we don't even try so so i i think i would sound uh, even more ridiculous than some people think i sound anyway if i tried to do the aaron dietrich greeting uh, for the uh, beginning of the show I and do. at the eight and at the eight o'clock hour ah, too yeah. and uh, i tell you what uh watch the uh we're on the 11th round of the Major League Baseball. Right. Man. Yeah, round. Uh, that's one of the things we're going to get to this morning. Round. That's one of our headlines. Round 3 to 10 yesterday of the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other players in the state, how they fared, how many people the SEC had, and how LSU fared. Uh, and to that point, and we'll, I'll, I'll get to that when we have the starting lineup, but uh, we've got some interesting uh, – perspective on all of that kind of thing here today uh, later on in the show got game two I mean I'm game two game three tonight in Cleveland uh, we'll break that down as well and get uh, our thoughts on uh, what we might see tonight as well and um, so a lot of things going on and uh, a lot of people waiting on phone calls waiting for that phone to ring in the Major League Baseball draft, uh, local prospects. Not just, you know, we're kind of focusing on the colleges a little bit, but, you know, there's some high school kids that uh, have a potential to be able to I get think, drafted uh, where you are and now, haven't seen them yet. Right, at this time, uh, where you are now with the uh, the high school, I mean, it drops significantly. I mean, you're like from 100 to 107,000 signing bonus. So if you have that good verbal commit or written commit, from colleges, nice on head on down to. I mean, unless you know financial situation, or if that's just what you want to do, you may not want to go to college. But financially, now you're getting to the area where you're beneficial to head off to school and, and improve your life for the next draft three years. Yeah, from now. and let's. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that. You can get us also uh, give us your thoughts on the Stewart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline and Text Line. Call Stewart to see how you can save on home and auto. Their number is five. Eight eight seven four seven four. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that, Nick, because uh, the Major League Baseball draft is completely different than the NFL draft and the NBA draft in, in its makeup and what the kind of end game purpose is of it. First of all, because of when it is, uh, kids do have to decide if they've already signed that commitment like you were talking about. If they've committed to a college already, and they're, um, and of course they're going to be seniors in high school to be a draft eligible, then they have to decide depending on what round they got drafted in, what right. the compensation is, uh, what team they went to. There's a lot of different factors involved in whether you decide to go ahead and sign or not, and especially after these first ten rounds. You know, because now you're talking about going, uh, you know, 15, 18, 20, something like that. So you do have a decision to make with all those factors. Well, yeah, absolutely. And you're going and they'll begin to uh, coverage will begin today around uh, 11 o'clock Central Standard Time and go through. And you're going through now is obviously if you're a senior and you got nowhere else to go, your eligibility is up. And obviously at this point now, you're really waiting to see. And uh, if you're a high school player at this juncture, I would think, and it could be wrong, but I would say you look at the financial, it's going to be more beneficial for you to head to school and play uh, and then improve your lot in three years, unless you just don't want to go to college because you're not getting to that uh, 100 and, you know, it's dropping into the 100,000. So 
Uh, interesting to see what they do and uh, go through, but still waiting for some names to be called. And, and interesting, uh, right now, I guess the big winners would have to be LSU. You have not heard Zach Cash. You've not heard uh, Watson. So, Right. I've got uh, written down the, uh, the headline, actually, in The Advocate was, Great day for LSU baseball on names that you didn't hear was the way they phrased it. And, yeah, Zach Hess, Zach Watson, and Antoine Duplantis uh, have not those those um, those names have not been heard. Uh, actually, only one LSU player, uh, believe it or not, which uh, is uh, been drafted, and that was uh, that was Nick Bush. He was drafted in the eighth round by the Rockies. Usually, there's a lot more LSU players that have gone off the board already. Uh, which I don't know if that kind of shows you where the program is or the fact that they have didn't have as many eligible guys as they normally have. I mean, as far as not talent, but as far as grade, you know, the, what uh, grade they were in school and all of that. But um, the biggest thing, and this is one of the things we'll get into later on in the show, is guys that were on your signing class, the, you know, kind of to the point you were getting to, guys that are in your signing class from high school that end up getting drafted fairly high that end up signing and now you lose those guys and that does disrupt your ability to completely fill all the needs that you have as a college program well i think i mean yeah obviously you don't want to be hit too hard by the draft that just means that you're going after your program is attracting those type of players i mean if you look at a program where None of your recruits get drafted, or none of them are, you know, and where are you? So I think that's a, and that's a good problem to have. So I'll be anxious to see the rest of the draft today and, and see how it uh, unfolds and, and see if any of our local names get called and, and what decisions they make. So I uh, look forward to following that. Yeah, we'll get into that a little later um, in a couple of segments. We'll talk about some of the uh, in-state. So far, there's been seven players selected uh, in-state and uh, from various colleges, um, and um, there's one good sign for LSU. One of their top recruits from uh, high school from the state has already s said he's enrolling at LSU, so we'll talk about that as well. And how many SEC players have gone and in, in how many went yesterday in rounds three through ten. There were – actually, I thought myself – uh, I didn't count exactly because I was focusing more on SEC, but I thought, uh, you know, there were a couple of Conference USA players selected, but I thought the Sun Belt was one of the big winners. I mean, South Alabama had quite a few. Uh, you know, Daniel, no, Daniel Freeman didn't want to talk to us anymore. He had several pitchers selected. I believe two, he, yeah. two underclassmen, I believe. Yeah, they had three, uh, three players selected. They were the big winners was ULL, had three players selected yesterday. Uh, South Alabama had a couple more besides uh, the kid that was picked 10th overall, um, the Swaggerty kid, uh, the outfielder that we talked to Daniel Freeman about yesterday. And uh, there were some kids from Troy. And so, you know, we we focus a lot on Conference USA, you know, around here. And then the Sun Belt, and the Sun Belt seemed to be uh, the one that had the big day especially yesterday, and then having a player pick 10th overall uh, from South Alabama. One of the things that I think is interesting too, Nick, is you start hearing as you get a little farther down the draft, you start hearing names of schools that you you just never hear any other time. Or you go, wait a minute, what is that? Where is that? And the fact that what gets me is that you have players from – schools like that that are good enough to get drafted you know i said in the show i think it was monday that when you're talking about number one pitchers just about every school has a number one kind of pitcher uh, because you know pitching is stretched out throughout the country most of the really really top-notch pitchers will sign right out of high school with a major league team that's what the scouts want but all teams usually have a good number one pitcher. And so some of these schools that you never heard of uh, have good players. And so I'm, I just randomly picked the 10th round, okay, the last one yesterday. 
And here are some of the schools represented in the 10th round. Detroit with uh, the 285th pick. Uh, I'm sorry, it was the Giants at 286. They took somebody from Faulkner University. So Montgomery. Wherever that is. It's in Alabama. Montgomery, yeah. Okay, Faulkner University. <laughs> the Reds picked a pitcher from I know I know where some of these places are, but it's just Kennesaw State. I think that's in Georgia. It is. Uh, but the Reds picked a pitcher from Kennesaw State. Uh, then the Braves took a guy from Carson Newman College. Tennessee, isn't it? And I don't know where that is. Uh, let's see. We've got um, the Orioles picked a player from St. Catherine College. That's Catherine with a K. Catherine with a K. <laughs> don't know where that is either. Um, Central Oklahoma, and I know that's almost an N. I think that's an NAI school. Now they find them now, Central Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, how about we've heard now? It's uh, kind of become in our vernacular. We know where Florida Gulf Coast is. Uh, nobody knew where Florida Gulf Coast was before they were running the basketball Dunk tournament City. a few years ago. Um, there is a Florida Southern College. That's not the first Florida Southern College player to be drafted either. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers picked a right-handed pitcher from Florida Southern College. Uh, actually, the Boston Red Sox picked another player from Kennesaw State. Two in one round for Kennesaw State. That's pretty impressive. Now, Florida Southern's down around Lakeland, so that's not – yeah, obviously the southern part of the state. So, yeah, that would be uh, what south of the Tampa area. How about Central Baptist College, a uh, Seattle University? Of course, we know where that is. But Central Baptist College was drafted in the ninth round. Um, interesting that I, I had forgotten because we focus so much on football, but IMG Academy has baseball. Oh, absolutely, yeah. they do. And, uh, Led by from former Red, I think, as uh, Levi, Sabo. Uh, Levi Kelly, right-handed pitcher, was uh, drafted, and he was one of the ones. Um, he was one of the ones that uh, uh, for LSU, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But he was one of the ones that was on LSU's list. Um, one of the uh, how about PJ Educational School? I don't know if that's a college or a high school. I think that has a program. PJ Educational School. Yeah, I saw um, that one. Ivy League. You know, there are some pitchers in the uh, major leagues from the Ivy League. Bucknell had uh, had a pick. Um, there was uh, Elon College. There's some other team. Oh, Midland College, obviously. That's in Midland, Texas. Elon, I think it was South Carolina, I do believe. We got a, you're going to go to yeah, the. Yeah, let's go to the uh, Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline, and Kamala joins us. Good morning, sir. The Goosehead Line. Yeah, yeah. Go the Goosehead Line. Yeah. Nice to that's hear from like, Good to hear from you. Kind of like, like the calves. They're going to have a goose egg. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, look, you can't. I mean, baseball and fast pitch softball are two sports where one person can dominate a whole nine inning game. <laughs> you get a kid come out of high school that's six foot, 152 pounds, got a good left arm with a little movement. He puts on 25 pounds, grows another inch, teaches him some mechanics. All of a sudden, he becomes a prospect. No matter where you are, it's where you're going. So any any little old school, I mean, heck, uh, I, I think I remember a, a major league baseball player that. Played from Castor, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he? Only Arthur Smith. There you go. And he wasn't no little hand either. No, he definitely was not a little hand. You know, uh, to your point, one of the best things about the about baseball is that <clears throat> kids really do develop. Uh, you know, there's a lot of these kids. Uh, I know they were talking about um, actually Casey Mize, the number one pick from Auburn. Uh, he wasn't even hardly offered uh, – he wasn't drafted out of high school. And a right. lot of the guys in the top ten that were drafted in the top ten uh, yesterday – I mean, two days ago 
weren't even uh, drafted out of high school. So that shows you that how they matured and developed well, over I the mean, course of their college time, like you were talking about. Hey, how about this? This is the greatest story ever. A young man got into the Navy, qualified, wasn't too big to get into submarines. All of a sudden, he had to get him out of submarines. I think he made the Hall of Fame, David Robertson. Yeah, he was actually. Yeah, I think he was in uh, actually in helicopters. No subs. Well, was subs yeah, and then he ended up in I mean, a helicopter. Would you, drown, would you rather drown or get your head cut off? Yeah, he was six six. He was six six when he went to the Naval Academy, and right. uh, then he ended up at like seven one after it was after he went to college, which is very unusual. It's, it's all a matter. It's, it's all a matter about the destination, not the road you're starting on. That's exactly right, Kamala. Thanks, buddy. Bye, Good to hear from you. Let's go ahead uh, before we take a break and tell everybody who's in the Louisiana Pain Care starting lineup. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. And there is no crying in baseball. From the league of uh, league of your own, league of their own, and that's true. No crying in baseball, but there's a lot of people really crying with uh, tears of joy as they get drafted into the major league baseball draft. We'll break that more down. We'll talk more about the in-state people, uh, how it affected LSU, and who were the big winners from the uh, state colleges here in Louisiana yesterday in rounds three through ten. We'll talk about the uh, Game 3 of the NBA Finals here tonight at 8.30 uh, to talk about the draft uh, and uh, the pitfalls of recruiting. You're going to want to hear Coach Lane Burroughs, the head coach from Louisiana Tech in baseball, uh, will join us at 8.30. And uh, we're going to kind of pick his brain a little bit about how difficult it is. You know, we talked about this uh, on Monday, I guess, Nick, that how difficult it is for, for college baseball coaches uh, with the limited scholarship numbers and plus all of these factors. They have to deal with factors that nobody else uh, that coaches college sports, especially the major sports, has to deal with. They have to deal with guys leaving early if they get drafted, uh, prospects that they've signed that go early, uh, that don't ever get to their campus. Uh, there's a lot of different things that uh, college uh, baseball coaches have to deal with. Uh, they have to play a real juggling act with recruiting. So we're gonna we're gonna talk to Lane Burroughs about that and uh, some of the info. So you're gonna want to hear that interview, and that'll be at 8:30. We'll go ahead and take our first break here on the morning drive. Nick Brown, Mark Kramer, and John Tabor with you here this morning as Aaron is still on vacation and Jake is still on daddy duty. Again, we hope uh, everything's going well with his new baby. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Morning Drive here on Sports Talk 97.7. Glad you're with us this morning. A lot different out there this morning than it was yesterday with all the rain, so we're glad it's, it's going to be a nice day today. And we're glad you're listening to us, however you're listening to us, on any of the many devices that you can listen to the show and listen to the station here. Don't forget to tune into The Edge after we're done with Terry Waldrop and Jamie Foxx, and then Sean Fox will be on with the sports company this afternoon at 3 o'clock. You'll want to catch all of those shows. And so let's talk about, again, rounds 3 through 10 yesterday in the Major League Draft. Let's start, first of all, with the big picture, Nick. Uh, 26, I just went through the whole thing uh, preparing for the show this morning. 26 SEC players go in rounds three through ten. And not bad. <clears throat> that shows the reason that uh, Big Twelve, for example, um, I read an there was an actual article uh, by I think the Oklahoman. Uh, act, the yesterday twelve only twelve Big Twelve players. You know that's kind of the other conference besides the ACC that you might think is going to have a lot of players drafted uh, out of their leagues. SEC 26th, Big 12, only 12. I think that says a lot. I was uh, surprised. Uh, four, uh, you know, look at the country breakdown. Uh, four Puerto Ricans have been uh, drafted. You go to Canada, only one. Uh, one or two Canadians have been drafted at this point. And uh, so you look looking at other 
countries as well, but you look at uh, United States. Uh, I mean, I just I wonder if they had different draft for those guys, you know. So, but all you gotta do is go to MajorLeagueBaseball.com, and you can find everything, last name, everything you want to find about the draft. You can find it on MLB.com. One of the things, uh, so you got 26 players from the SEC that got drafted. Of course, uh, the only LSU player to be drafted so far in the first 10 rounds, which is pretty unusual, I, I think, is uh, in the eighth round, Nick Bush, left-handed pitcher for the Tigers, went to the Rockies. You know, I talked yesterday about the three teams as a pitcher you don't want to go to, and that's the Rockies, the Reds, and the Phillies, uh, But uh, he could, because of their ballparks. But anyway, Nick Bush goes in the eighth round to the Rockies. So let's talk about also LSU's um, recruits because that's another factor that we just mentioned earlier before the break. That's another factor involved in this recruiting dilemma that college baseball coaches have. Now, the good thing for LSU is they're one of their top pitching prospects actually from Destrahan, an in-state kid, he has already said that he's going to enroll. He was one of the biggest arms in the country, considered one of the top prospects. Landon Marceau uh, pitches for Destrahan. Uh, he has already said that he's going to enroll in LSU. Now, um, probably the obvious ones that are out, their top prospect is Bryce Terang. He was a shortstop out of California. He was picked number 21 overall, I uh, believe, by the Brewers. So you doubt very – yeah, you doubt very seriously that yeah. that he's going to turn down that uh, either million or 750000 Uh I think it's still a million dollars or more in that uh, slot right there at the number 21 overall pick. Number, 20, number 21 overall pick? Yeah. Uh, you're you're not talking to a, a million. You're talking four or five million. Really that high? I haven't. I'm not really that versed on where they all this stuff is slotted. I know you can go to a a chart that they have based on where people get picked in the first round and where. Oh, they, you said he was. He wasn't a first rounder. Yeah, first round, twenty one overall. Yeah, he was picked in the first round, twenty one overall by the Brewers. Yeah, three million. Three okay, three million dollars. So I was way way off. Yeah, three million dollars as a twenty-one overall pick. I don't think he's. I don't think he's going uh, to college at all. So he that's a, Bryce Terang was a shortstop. He's probably out. And then the other one in the eighth round by the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, Levi Kelly, uh, is also uh, somebody that probably is not going to is going to go ahead and sign with the Diamondbacks and probably not come to LSU. So uh, those are two of their prospects or two of their signees that will not be coming, more than likely, will not be coming to campus. Again, uh, I read an article from The Advocate this morning that was trying to figure out, uh, based on who's been drafted already, why Zach Hess, Zach Watson, and Antoine Duplantis have not been chosen uh, for by the uh, LSU Tiger players that have not been chosen yet. Um, some of them, I think, were – some of those guys, I think, were projected to go um, by some scouts in the top ten, uh, but they've not – they have not gone yet. So uh, they're going to have that decision that you talked about earlier if they go, say, 15 to 20, since they still have eligibility left, are they going to – forego signing as a 18th or 19th you know selection round selection or come back well i think the decision's been made i mean you look at i mean you could be in a financial situation where you absolutely have to have uh, money but you're at the point now where you drop to and you look back to are the players eligible i mean you know i'm just saying they would come into play if you're eligible to uh you know if you're still academically eligible then they might come into play of decision. But now you're looking at by the time you get through the 11th round, you're going to be down to fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 signing bonus. And I think you'd be better off to come back. Speaking of, you know, we're talking about Major League Baseball. Oh, David sends in a picture from Castor, Louisiana, home of Lee Arthur Smith. A great, uh, great picture of Lee Arthur. Good, kind of a welcoming sign for the community of Castor. So that's nice. 
Yeah, and one good thing about Lee Smith is that he has really reinvested in that small community uh, in Bienville Parish where he's from. Uh, he's built a nice field down there and, and has done a lot of improvements for the high school down there. So that's really nice to see uh, that somebody that is as famous as Lee Smith is in baseball and had such a long, uh, great career for the many teams that he was a closer for as far as pitching was concerned for him to come back and reinvest in that community. Uh, it says a lot about him and is really a good thing. Now let's talk about, uh, well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, we'll talk about some of the uh, in-state schools that had uh, some big winners and losers for uh, in-state schools as far as the draft was concerned yesterday in rounds three through ten. You're listening to The Morning Drive this hour, brought to you by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to The Morning Drive. Nick Brown, Mark Kramer, here with you. Tomorrow to be Santoria Black and Jamie Fox is all be out uh, tomorrow, having a medical procedure tomorrow, so I'll be out, but I'll be back on Friday, uh, and San will return with me on Saturday, and then, I mean on Friday, and then next Monday be our last day subbing for Aaron as he's on vacation. I'll be joined by uh, Terry Waldrop, who will do the three hours of power on Monday, doing uh, the two hours of this show and then the uh, one hour following of The Edge. So appreciate him doing that. Appreciate <clears throat> Nick Brown coming in three straight days and uh, had some good shows so far. I hope you're enjoying them and uh, enjoying the day today. Still finishing up, kind of finishing up uh, the the Major League Baseball draft rounds three through ten yesterday. Uh, you know, kind of unusual. I mean, it's things, Nick, that you know, as you know, they use a lot of this stuff in recruiting. You know, they really do. I mean, it's not something that uh, just kind of goes by the wayside and you go, oh, hey, we had, uh, you know, John Smith from our team got drafted. These are things that the coaches legitimately, the recruiters legitimately use when it's you versus somebody else in the state. And they go, well, hey, man, listen, they only had one guy drafted. We had four or we had six. You know, I mean, do you want to have the best chance to get drafted? I mean, come to our school. You know, this school over here, uh, you know, they may have won this many games, but, you know, they only had one player drafted and we had six or whatever it is. Well, I'll say you have to look into play, I think, more importantly, where your program is. And I understand what you're saying, but also are you recruiting the type of players that get drafted right out of high school? And so, therefore, you look and see because, like, that may be a different concern for, say, Paul Maneri, as it may not be for Lane Burroughs. You still got to go out to great players. And there's some guys that you know are never going to step, step foot on campus. So – it is a fine line, and you're right. It is a uh, bragging board, bulletin board material. You remember a long time ago. I mean, this has been a while, maybe even 10 years. But you remember the kid that was such a raw, raw pitcher? I don't even know if he ever made it out of the minor leagues. But he was a raw, raw pitcher from – he was from Marshall or Longview, somewhere in East Texas, and signed with Louisiana Tech, and the kid threw like 100 miles an hour. I mean, legit was throwing 98, 99, and 100 miles an hour and signed with Louisiana Tech. And he ended up getting drafted, I think, in the second round. And as you just said, he was one of those kids that never saw a college campus uh, because of the fact that he uh, made such leaps and bounds his senior year in high school that he went from really nobody knowing anything about him after he had signed uh, a college letter of intent to being a high, high draft pick because all of a sudden he, you know, got bigger, matured, and developed, and in just one season jumped from, saying throwing 91 or whatever to throwing almost 100 miles an hour. You remember that? I yeah, don't remember the kid's I name, but name, yeah. you remember the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to offer those guys, if you're Louisiana Tech or whoever it may be, because you never know when they may have an injury. And you're like, hey, yeah, you guys were there with me. You know, even if he just goes for, you know, obviously. I think now that you're looking at it, the three-year deal, if you were a big high school stud to go that way, you'd probably head to community college and spend your one year there. I, enough of baseball. Ten rounds. Uh, interesting to watch the 76ers group. Uh, you know what they're going to do? They're going to meet with their owners and see the director of basketball operations still has 
a job. Nothing good. You know, I believe really, you know, your parents used to tell you nothing good happens after midnight, I guess. Nothing good ever happens on uh, Twitter after uh, you look at, I mean, really, you're having a, you had to get a law firm to investigate secret Twitter accounts that have been tied to their director of operations and his wife. Colangelo uh, basically didn't like that some of the players and basically, Mark, it'd be like if we had a secret Twitter account up here and we basically just start talking about John Tabor, you know, like, or, or whoever, Gary McKinney and, or Sean Fox or whoever, we had a secret account. And so now they're going to have to meet. Just don't tweet it. I just really, it's crazy. But they're going to meet to see if he still has a job with the 76ers. Interesting. I want to go to the uh, Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance text line. Have quite a few texts. Ben says the LSU guys like Watson, Hess, and Duplantis probably didn't get enough money offered, which is why they didn't get drafted yet. Teams aren't picking guys in the top ten rounds unless there probably is a greater than 90% chance that the guys will sign. Uh, if there's any question, they pass on them. That is actually a very good point because – uh, as we talked about yesterday, uh, you have, uh, and Daniel Freeman talked to us about this, Nick, that there is um, deals already in place before the draft. You know, they've got the financial part of it already worked out with a lot of these guys uh, that they're going to draft before the draft is ever done, like maybe even a week or 10 days ahead of time. So uh, that is an interesting uh interesting part of it and that's again what makes the major league draft so much different than the other two sports is the fact that a lot of these things are worked out ahead of time and uh, that's probably a good point by ben that uh, guys like uh, watson hess and duplantis probably didn't get the money that they thought they they should get and uh, so the teams are going to pass on them uh, basically saying that um, that they're not going to they're not going to sign and so they just wait till later on. Sherman says, uh, thanks to the rainbow of schools that have the low amount of scholarships offered but still have guys drafted, uh, which is very, very true. Uh, some of those teams have to work even more on uh, limited budgets uh, to be able to you know, get through a whole baseball season, softball too for that matter. And uh, so they still get players drafted. Uh, makes you wonder how some of the times some of those guys fall through the cracks. Uh, Larry and Monroe, uh, Latin players can sign young with so many Latin players in baseball. Can schools like LSU recruit in Latin American countries? Uh, yeah, they can. Uh, I know uh, I even saw there's a some kind of an academy in Puerto Rico. Uh, down in the sixth and seventh round, there were about four players right in a row that came out of some academy in Puerto Rico. Uh, actually... If you look at even like Conference USA, I know Grambling this year. Grambling, uh, Coach Cooper uh, doing what, uh, doing his due diligence. They had quite a few players on Grambling's roster that were from Latin American countries or from the Caribbean. And so, uh, you know, yes, the they can sign Latin, uh, Latin players. I don't know if the rules uh, are different as far as eligibility from school and how that works with transcripts from – Schools from the Dominican Republic or whatever. You have to make the NCAA clearinghouse. And you were talking about the smaller schools. One thing that's interesting about those, they are smaller, and sometimes uh, the tuition there is a lot cheaper. And so with that 11.7 scholarships, they can go ahead and offer a pitcher 50%, maybe even a full ride. And that's how they get a lot of good players because other guys are going to go there and walk on because it's not that expensive. Right. So, You're right. Last thing about this, let's go through the uh, state schools uh, that had players uh, drafted yesterday. And that was uh, ULL was the big winner. They had three players drafted. Hogan Harris is a pitcher. He was drafted 85th by the Oakland A's. Uh, Logan Stokel, I think is how it's, his name's pronounced, uh, from ULL. He was picked in the ninth round by Pittsburgh. Nick Lee was chosen in the ninth round by Tampa Bay. Uh, outfielder uh, from Tulane, Grant Witherspoon, he was drafted in, uh, I believe, the ninth or tenth round. And then UNO had a pitcher, Brian Warzek, 
and then Northwestern's catch, Northwestern State's catcher, who was kind of showcased out in the regional with LSU out at Oregon State. Uh, he's a catcher, and he was also drafted yesterday. So seven players drafted from the state yesterday in rounds three through ten. And so uh, then let's go to the NBA and talk about uh, – or what Nick was talking about, 76 owners discuss Colangelo's future. Uh, you know, that's the, one of the problems, John Tabor, of, of some of the uh, social media. Of course, I don't do social media. One of this is one of the reasons why. Uh, you know, I had a fake account done on me that was uh, putting things out there uh, that I would never put out there, and I had to work very very hard it's unfortunate that you have to work so hard when somebody puts a fake account out for against you uh, it's it's almost like pulling teeth to try and get it to shut down and whoever's running that fake account can say basically whatever they want to say and people think it's you and uh, it can uh, hurt your reputation very very quickly uh, when it's not even something that you're doing and in this case of course the general manager from the 76ers and supposedly his wife putting stuff out there dogging the coach and some of the players and different things uh trying to create some uh trying to form and create some public opinion yeah just don't push sin well this was done purposely and that's what that's what's really uh alarming and still don't don't push sin don't don't push sin don't do it What about the um, what about the video and the audio that came out about the uh, again about the the timeout situation in game one of the of the uh, NBA Finals that shows that they actually did know that there was a timeout left and uh, that what they were supposed to do. You know, it's uh, one of the articles said a video that went viral on social media showed previously unseen footage of the Cavaliers bench at the end of regulation and LeBron James' emotional letdown uh, upon learning from Coach Ty Lue that the team had an unused timeout that could have been used when J.R. Smith lost track of the score. Reluctant to take himself back to the moment at first, James described his thoughts and emotions during the huddle on Tuesday. Said, I was sitting on the bench and kind of contemplating the last couple of seconds and what happened and what transpired from JR dribbling the ball out uh, after George Hill missed the free throw and actually seeing Draymond Green step in early on the lane violation. So there were a lot of things going on through my head. Everyone makes a mistake. <laughs> you know, one of the things that talked about James, LeBron James, didn't interact with his teammates, if you remember, during that time. And uh, so uh, there wasn't anything being said back and forth. I think he probably kind of said everything he wanted to say out on the, uh, out on the court. So this whole situation kind of, led to a lackluster performance overall in game two. And, um, you know, we've talked uh, almost at nauseum about how bad the officiating is on sports company. On Monday, we talked to Dennis Chambers from Basketball Insider. He's actually in Philadelphia uh, is where he's based out of. And he was talking to us about this is a real need that the NBA really needs to address during the offseason is how bad and inconsistent, and not just for one team or another. The officiating has been bad uh, for both teams. And, you know, you and I, uh, old basketball coaches, uh, it's just hard for me to believe and understand how three officials that are supposedly the best officials in the world in the NBA, which they're, which they're not, but how three officials are supposed to look at, uh, look at some of the plays that have these obvious fouls and not be able to see the correct call 
when you've got three people looking at it from different perspectives. And the lane violation is another one. You've got you've got an official standing right off the free throw line, off to the side. His job is to watch the shooter. But you've got an official under the basket, too, uh, who's supposed to be looking for nothing but lane violations. And if you go back and look at the, the video, Draymond Green st- actually steps in very, very early in into the lane when uh, George Hill put his hand up to go into his shooting motion is when his foot kind of staggers into the lane. So um, there, the NBA, this is something the NBA does have to address. Uh, yeah, I think that, <clears throat> but you looked, uh, you can say that officiating has gotten bad everywhere, but I think. Uh, That's yeah, true, well, too. Well, I think, though, but here's the thing, though, our expectations as a fan have gone up. We expect perfection in everything but ourselves. We won't expect, we won't perfect, uh, we won't, uh, perfection from the players that we pull for. We want perfection for the team. We want perfection where we go eat lunch. We want perfection uh, from the officials. We want perfection from everybody but from ourselves. And I think that's where in society, I think, you know, obviously you're not going to get perfection. You're going to get a little bit better than what you're doing. But is that is that possible? Because you're talking about the best athletes in the world. You're going to have to get younger guys. It would be interesting. Computer monitoring. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is that they're going to end up having as much replay, coaches' challenges, and that sort of thing in basketball as uh, now baseball it was lagging behind, but they've come up to the forefront a little bit with coaches' challenges and going over and checking on certain plays, tags at bases, and, and bang-bang plays at first base on a, a first baseman catching the ball and and somebody running across the bag plays at home plate, obviously, and fair and foul calls on uh, doubles and home runs especially. But you, I, there's already uh, kind of a groundswell of discussion going on about the coaches being able to have a challenge per half or something like that where they can stop the game and ask the officials if they're not going to review something. Uh, the only thing that they're going to kind of get into muddy waters about is – they want to take it like the 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 charge call that was reversed the other day, uh, you know, in that in game one against uh, against LeBron James. That's a judgment call. When you start getting into judgment calls like that and allowing people to challenge that, then you can get down to where they can challenge just about anything. And that that's a little too much because then you're taking the referees completely out of the game. As far as that goes, I think they have to set parameters like the NFL and Major League Baseball about what is reviewable and what isn't. I'm really glad that the NFL put in uh, the change this year that uh, an ejection on, say, targeting and all of that, that anything that is an ejectionable ejectionable, uh, offense uh, can and should be reviewed in the NFL to keep somebody like last year. You know, they had some guys ejected that really should not have been to start with, and I thought that I think that's a good thing. Let's go ahead and take a break. And when we return here on the morning drive, we'll get more in depth into game three tonight in Cleveland and see what we think that uh, the Cavaliers will do tonight. You can reach us on the Stuart Shelby. Goosehead Insurance Hotline or text line 888-993-7762. Let us know how you think this thing is going to play out tonight in Cleveland. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Nick Brown, Mark Kramer, and John Tabor here with you. Looking into game three tonight of the NBA playoffs. Let's go ahead, Nick Brown. We're, you know, we are former basketball coaches. Let's break it down, as they say. Yeah. Your thoughts on the game tonight? Golden State what win. Does, Take what, a fork in them. What does no, Cleveland but. have to do at home tonight to win this ball game? Outscore them. Score more points than the yeah. other team. I mean, really, at, at this point, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Mark. I, I'm not really a, a playoff guy. I watch it to the sports. Love watching the Pelicans. Love watching the Celtics. But you get a lot of the theatrics. Better team is Golden State. I, I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart. I believe Cleveland will win tonight. Regardless, then you move it to extend it a couple of games. But Golden State's the best team, and 
So much going on in sports. Enjoyed watching. I'm ready to talk a little regional and super regional. But, I mean, I think you look now at where you are, and that's what we do on a sports show, and everyone can go wherever they want to go. But 780 reasons of why Cleveland, LeBron's letting them down. Who's the greatest player of all time? The NBA, I, I think you look and say, I know you say, well, it's popular now than ever. It just rehashes. I mean, the same thing. LeBron, is he the greatest ever? Is he better than Michael Jordan? And then he's carrying these guys. He's got to get help. First of all, enjoy what you have because he's out of Cleveland. He doesn't get the help. He's gone. But I think now you look and see, obviously, I mean, it's real simple. Our rebound, don't turn the ball over. I mean, they, they both make about the same shooting percentages anyway. I mean, you go watch. I mean, it comes down to rebounding and don't turn the ball over. Make your free throws, and then you win, and I think Cleveland will. Yeah, I think Cleveland will win the game tonight as well. Uh, I think the biggest thing, you know, a lot of times, and you know this too, Nick, that if your star player scores 40 or 50 points, uh, especially against a team like Golden State, it's different if you're playing some also-ran. But if you're playing in this level and you're playing in the finals, a lot of times you lose when your star player scores that many points because that was one of the plans – uh, that Golden State kind of threw out there at the beginning of the series is, hey, we'll just let LeBron get his and we'll shut everybody else down and 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 clamp down on them defensively and try and keep them from killing us. J.R. Smith, Cole, um, Corver, uh, George Hill, those guys from the three and Kevin Love from the three point line and make them go inside and get two point baskets instead of three point baskets and let LeBron get what he wants. You know, the fact that they lost the game, even though they, you know, had a chance to win there at the end, uh, 51 points, and he and he loses, and they end up losing. Uh, you know, I still think that Golden State's going to still try to have that same kind of plan going into tonight's game. Oh, obviously, yeah. I mean, what's been successful before you go back, and, and – but – It'll be interesting to see, but like I said, I think Cleveland will uh, well, Cleveland will pull it out. I mean, it, that's the way it is. Uh, NBA have always been a conspiracy theorist when it comes to these playoffs. You extend it yeah, one they game. Want it, the, yeah, the, the Adam Silver and the, uh, and the brain trust of the NBA certainly does not want uh, the, to see a sweep here in this series and it not go back to Golden State. Yeah, did, you, did you watch? Yeah, you would. Yeah, the longer have you, have it you extends. Have you watched the two games? Have I watched? Yeah. Uh, I watched most – well, I watched about a half. Is it entertaining of you? the first one? Well, you know, I'm not a big NBA guy anyway. Was that but I, was I mostly watch the. I mostly watch because I know we have to talk about it on the show, and I want to sound like I at least you know so you half, care less. half know what I'm talking. I'm about. I'm curious to see about our listeners. Yeah, because I don't. Yeah, triple A nine nine three seven seven six two. Because do you listen? Do you watch the NBA during a regular season? No, no. Let you, it, no, you, I mean, you, let you, us you, know. Yeah, are you, are you enjoying the playoff series now? Yeah, let Golden us know. Golden State. Golden State and Cleveland. I mean, you look so you expect it, but are you enjoying it? Yeah. Let now, it, I'm going to tell you, there's more professional sports on. I think it just it's retread. Let us it? know on the text line, Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance hotline or text line. Did you watch the NBA during the regular season? And are you only watching the playoffs because they're the playoffs? And uh, how much are you invested in the NBA personally? I don't um, – and, you know, the, one of the things that Nick was mentioning – about the uh, the ratings are up during the playoffs, but that was just during the playoffs. Uh, attendance was level again this year in the NBA, and the ratings during the season for regular season games were pretty much plateaued. They weren't up, uh, but they weren't really terribly down either. So they plateaued as well uh, during the regular season, so that makes it a lot uh, tougher to uh, kind of judge the popularity in it of the NBA, plus the actual attendance. And I think the attendance overall was down again this year in the NBA. You know, you can look at a lot of the venues in the NBA, even some of the good teams. If you watch a regular season game, you can see camera angles up into the arenas. And the arenas, even for playoff teams, uh, on a lot of nights, are only half. They're on, the arenas are only half full. Uh, now we've talked about this on the shows before. That as far as corporate, now I know every every sports league has tons of corporate sponsors, but a lot of them are sponsors. 
financially, advertising, that kind of thing, not necessarily buying tickets. But the NBA is one of the more corporate-driven as far as attendance is concerned uh, because they have a lot of corporations that pump up the NBA attendance figures by buying 1,000, 1,500 seats uh, as season ticket holders. And then they just, you know, the big corporations, they give them away to their employees or they give them to charity or whatever. Uh, And so that pumps up a lot of the attendance figures by being able to do that. I know a couple of years ago I went to a Houston Rockets game when they were in first place, you know, middle through middle way through the season. And um, this was like two years ago. And I was so surprised and it was on a Friday night. So it wasn't a, a situation where it was a midweek game, a Tuesday or Wednesday game against the Sacramento Kings. Um, this game was against the, against this Philadelphia actually. And I was very surprised at, at how um, empty the arena was, especially in the upper levels. You know, the TV cameras, they can come up with inventive ways of being able to kind of do the angles to where you only see the lower bowl of some of these arenas and you don't see the upper one. And they also don't turn the lights on up there either. And so you don't really have an, the ability to look up and, and see anything up there. Uh Chris texts in on the Stuart Shelby insurance text line, says no on watching the NBA, don't watch it during the regular season. How many how many of you out there uh, agree with Chris that you don't watch the NBA during the regular season, it's only worth watching during the playoffs? Now, playoff ratings are up as far as TV is concerned, but as I've always said, even for other sports, you can't, go you can't judge the health of a sport on tv ratings on tv ratings alone because those are skewed by people just sitting in their homes that's not overall interest in the sport on a daily basis Uh, you've got to throw in what is the attendance figures like at your actual venues live uh, walk up and season ticket holders and walk up business uh, to come up and actually buy tickets to go to the games in person. You have to come by. You have to throw those in there because that's just as important as TV ratings are. We'll go ahead and take a break. Here this first hour brought to you by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. One hour to 8.30, Lane Burroughs, the head coach from Louisiana Tech, will join us. We'll be back right after this. Brad Parker and his wife Leah opened the Iron Cactus in Calhoun, Louisiana on July 12, 2010 and has made Iron Cactus into a -a one-of-a-kind restaurant and, in my opinion, the best Tex-Mex in the area. They now have a second location at 428 Desired Street in Monroe. Iron Cactus offers a family-friendly environment that's open for lunch and dinner and also has an array of platters for your catered events. Every time you visit Iron Cactus, you'll find a dedicated and grateful staff with a commitment to deliver the best Tex-Mex, along with the fresh ideas that will make you want to come back again and again. They pride themselves in using fresh food to meet your expectations. of. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.